Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We'll read that together in, a, in just a little bit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, you know, you know, so much that I want to say to your people today. So many things that I've been thinking of and they've been thinking of with regard to our world, how to address, how to see things and how to address things. And Father, you know that it's just so much to say. So we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to understand and but especially that we would indeed put on your armor, your power, your strength to stand in these times, to understand them, to stand in them, and to fight them, and to fight them properly. Father, we will persevere because you've chosen us and you revealed yourself to us. And because we've, we've called upon you, but we ask you also to use us in this world with the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the only way for men to be at peace with you and with one another. And until such a time, racism and hate and murder and violence will continue. So be with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I, I want to take a little break from our Roman study to address, I hope, some things a little more specifically today. I've been wanting to do this for some time. This seemed like a good time since our missionary was here last week, and, and I'm going to be gone next week and and um, so this is a good break there's already a break here 2020 has been a has been a quite a year hasn't it a pandemic and riots uh, great problems in race relations for which has been the excuse for riots the Black Lives Matter movement critical race theory, white supremacy, white privilege, and that, those kind of terminologies you're hearing a lot of, etc. Now, some will say that I shouldn't talk about these things because these uh, dwell into the realm of politics. But the Word of God addresses politics. And it addresses social issues. The Word of God, after all, has the has the answers to injustice. And the Word of God offers the, 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 the real path of peace, uh, the real path of unity, and, and the real place where we should find our identity. There will be those who say you have no right to speak on these issues of race and Black Lives Matters 
or critical race theory because I am white. I am a white male. And I'm a conservative, white, religious man. Intersectionality would say that I am not qualified to speak. That teaching now that has been pervasive in our colleges for some time. Intersectionality would say I'm not, I'm not, I don't have no authority to speak. I'm not of the oppressed class. Rather, I'm of the oppressing class and have lost, therefore, the right to speak to any of the oppressed groups. But I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am a Christian. I have a right to speak. I have authority to speak. I have an obligation to speak. And I have a burden to speak. As a minister of the gospel, I am commanded to speak. From Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth. So as I begin here, which is not an easy subject to deal with in a short time, I'm just going to say I, I'm not going to be silent. And you, as a Christian, should not be silent. We must take a stand. I, I must take a, span, a stand, especially as a minister of the Lord. Now look at Ephesians 6.10. And read it. Listen and read it with me here. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, saying, pray for me, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. What Ephesians here tells us is to take a stand. To stand. To resist. To fight. To put on armor and weapons to stand, resist, and fight. This is a spiritual battle. This is not a call to go out in the streets with real, literal weapons. This is a spiritual warfare. 
It's a battle of ideologies. It's a battle for the truth. To stand means we are not to be moved from the truth. And we must know it then. We must know it. We are to stand in it. And we are to resist false teachings. We're to fight. To fight means we are to use the word of God. It's our great weapon. The sword here in the, the passage is the word of God. And the gospel may be seen as a weapon, which is the, the, the means of peace. We use all prayer. That too may be seen as a weapon. A prob- probably our greatest weapon by which we call upon God to act, where we call upon God to save by his gospel. And it may be the greatest weapon of all because God is the only one who can really change things. And the only one who has the power to change hearts. One of of my kids in their text group, they have a a, a family tech group and includes the the spouses. And uh, I don't know who sent it. Could have been Abby. Abby sends a lot of good ones. But Abby uh, maybe sent this one, uh, a picture on a truck, a bumper sticker. And it said, stop praying to God who doesn't exist and do something. Such is the foolish ignorance of man. And the great sin of man to remove God and think that anything good can come of it without him. And so we pray. Because it's only through God that men are changed, minds are changed, nations are changed. And it's only through God that we have power. So this this better be the armor of God that we put on, you see. Ephesians 6.10, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that you may be able to stand all those Power words. It's God's power. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And we have to know what it is that we're fighting. We have to know what it is to address it. And so what is clear from Ephesians is that it's a spiritual warfare. It's, a, it's, in, it, it, it's in the heavenly realm. Satan and his demons are behind all that is going on. See? Verse 11 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The wiles, New King James Version, the wiles of the devil. Methodius of of Diabolu. The the methods of the devil, the strategies of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now that doesn't mean, now when he says that, it's a spiritual warfare, it's a heavenly warfare, it doesn't mean that we don't address issues or politics or social issues of the day. What it means is that there's something deeper, something sinister, something demonic behind them. 
And it means we can't just, as I say again, we can't just use man's weapons or man's strength or man's philosophies or man's politics or man's legislation to win the war. I mean, yes, we vote. And, we, and I, I might talk about that next week or, or the week after, rather. We, we, voting. We'd have to vote. We, we, we should run for office. Good. We need Christians who run for office. We give money to certain candidates that uphold Christian values, etc. But that's not how we really conquer, ultimately, is it? We do address issues, though. But we address them from the Word of God, by the power of God, and, and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's spiritual warfare. We can never lose sight of that, even as I, I intend here to speak about some specific issues. We can never lose sight of the great enemy behind the world leaders and government leaders and behind community organizers, etc. Verse 12, the end of verse 12, it's against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 16, the wicked one, Satan himself. It's understanding that we are fighting at ground zero of the nature of man, fallen man, in sub, man in subjection to the devil. It's from that which God has rescued us who are believers. Turn to Ephesians 2. You're right there. Turn to Ephesians 2, verse 2. We've been rescued from this. Colossians 1.18 says it's from the kingdom of, of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son. Ephesians 2, 2 says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And that's true today. Among whom you also, we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, just as the rest. Now, I want to this morning address some specific issues, present issues, but we must always understand, I just want to say this, and we must always understand these people and organizations and politicians are in bondage to sin. They're in bondage to Satan to do his will. So yes, only the word of God can battle that. Only the gospel can change men and bring peace with God and with men. Only prayer is effective, you see? Well, I'm going to address Black Lives Matters organization and critical race theory because it is front and center right now. But understand that it's the face of the same old lie. I'm going to address racism and social justice and the riots. And obviously, I can't go into the kind of detail I would like to. But first of all, let me begin by saying, listen carefully, the sentence, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, 
That is true. That is true. That is true biblically. When I say that, I want you to remove all you've seen, may have seen, and all that you associate with Black Lives Matter. I want you to remove Black Lives Matter from the organization, from the movement. Think of it in a proper biblical way. Black Lives Matter. Of course they do. Of course they do. All would agree. All should agree. Christians should all agree black lives matter. It would be unchristian and unbiblical to say or think otherwise. The lives matter. I'm not talking I'm talking about the lives, not the organization. I'll talk about that in a moment. Black lives. Let me begin by saying this. Black lives are made in the image of God. And that's why they matter. They are, they are full of human dignity as much as any man, woman of any color or ethnicity, or we may say race, because they are made in the image of God. They're made in his likeness. To say they don't matter is an affront to God. And because they were designed by God, by divine right, they have full and equal human dignity. They have full and equal uh, divine rights, and and they divinely matter. The enemy, Satan, wants you to denigrate God's image. He wants to divide mankind. He wants division and disunity and war on the wrong thing, on the skin color. God made all beautiful varieties and sizes, and shapes, and colors of men, and, and women. And I say men, I'm, I'm including women. I'm not going to fall into the identity politics totally here. Well, hopefully not at all. He made the black man. He made the black skin. God did. And let me tell you something. When God looks at his creation. And, and he looks at that black man, and he looks at that black skin. It's beautiful in his sight. It's beautiful in his sight. And it ought to be beautiful to you. Every man, in fact, ought to be beautiful to you in that way. Every shape and size and design and color uh, that hasn't been marred by sin. Magnificent creation of the infinitely wise mind of God, being made in the image of God, they have divine worth, they matter. I say this because you can't fall into the the Marxist's trap and the media snare, really the satanic snare behind them all, the trap of falling for division based on skin color. Don't, don't, allow them to divide us based on melanin. God made us, all of us. Um, in this case, the little children's song is very true. The little children's Christian song is very true. If, if only adults would remember it and apply it. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And Jesus loves the black skin. 
and the red skin and the yellow skin and the white skin and whatever he's made, whatever variety he made them. The problem isn't our skin, is it? The problem isn't our skin, it's sin. The problem is the fall. The problem is rejection and rebellion against and separation from God. That's the problem. And so first, don't get caught on the color of the skin. That's not where the real battle lies. And don't, and don't fall into this trap of labeling a whole group because of a vocal minority or even a majority. You don't like being lumped in with some white person who does something wrong. They're all, you know, they're all white supremacists or they're all just white. That's a, you know, white privilege. You don't like that talk. You don't like to be called racist. So don't, so don't do it to blacks. I don't think you do. I don't think anyone here does that. But I just warn you, that's, that's, the, that's what the enemy wants to do. Critical race theory critical race theory. President Trump just ordered that removed from government institutions. It's been around, critical race theory has been around since 2011. Critical race theory infiltrated every government institution and department. Diversity training. Seminars for every government employee based on the ideology, America is a white supremacist country. The man behind it, whom the government paid, well, you and I paid millions to indoctrinate us, said, quote, all white people contribute to racism. Another, quote, virtually all white people uphold a system of racism and white superiority, end quote. And his training, critical race theory, pervaded every government department. In fact, when Trump, Trump just recently announced that, that all of that was to be removed, the CDC went into quick action and immediately decided they would have more training on the critical race theory, defying the president's orders. Well, the point of critical race theory is to denounce the country Accept to make sure that the white man accepts his white privilege, acknowledge it, and its ultimate goal, its ultimate goal is really to remove whites from positions of authority. Capitalists, conservatives, and remove white ideology, at least, wherever it is found, as the Marxists define it. This is... A destruct, this is destructive to a system of government based on equal justice under the law. Because it's based on skin color. Now, it's based on race. I started by saying Black Lives Matter. Let me also include that by saying race is a false construct. I want to say race is a false construct. It really... To say race assumes we are different based on color. It assumes 
that we are not one race, doesn't it? It assumes we are not brothers and sisters by creation. It assumes we're not by creation made equally in God's image. Well, it denies creation altogether in that fact, doesn't it? There is one race. There's one race. The Adamic race. Adam is our father. God created us all. We all came from Adam. There is no race. It's a false construct. Racism, racism then, is foolish. Uh, we, we have, of course, ethnic backgrounds, and we have national backgrounds, and, and other groupings that unite us over borders, geography, ideas, and ideologies, and they divide us, as it can divide us as a whole. But we are all from one man, Adam. And so Paul, when he preaches the gospel in Athens, and boy, did the Greeks think that they were a superior race, separate from all others. But he crushes that false ideology with the sword of the truth of creation. And he's, in Acts 17, 27, he says, he made from one blood every nation of man to dwell on all the face of the earth. He made from one blood every nation of man. We are one. We are from one, one race. We're all brothers and sisters in the sense of creation. And should we be fighting and hating one another over skin color? Adam and Eve had all the gene range right there in their gene pool. They had all the gene range in them to produce the whitest white and the blackest black and every color in between. And I say again, it was a wonderful design of God, the variety, the beauty, One, but it was one race. And we are brothers, whether white or black. Now, my wife's friend, best friend, in fact, is black. She married a white man. And they have two sons. And one is very, very white. And one is very black. By way of skin color, are they a different race? They're brothers. We know them. We know them very well. We love them. We've watched them grow up. They grew up together with my children, played together. And my children, you know, are different colors too. Race is a false construct. So as a Christian, we don't see race. We don't recognize race. We're one race. We're one blood. And this is what we can do. We, we, we want to point people to that oneness and that we are all from Adam. We don't look at color like that. And we mustn't look at it like that. Anytime you do, you fall for the trap of the enemy and his strategies, and you miss the real spiritual problem. And, and, and also, I say here, don't let the injustice that some do that have white skin cause you to hate all whites. And don't let the injustice which some with black skin do cause you to hate blacks. That is unjust. 
That's unjust. That is sinful and wrong. That is to deny our creation and our creator and our created unity. A wise man once said, judge me on the content of my character and not the color of my skin, right? Now, that is hard. And it's hard in a way because, and I want to alert you to this, because the very goal of false ideologies, the goal of Satan is to destroy God's work. And it is to divide us. And I see it and I hear it. More and more divided over color and over race. We blame a people, a whole people, a whole color group. We bring a people that have a certain color and, and we're lumping them all together based on their color. If they have a color, they think a certain way. If they have this color, they, they think this way or that way. Uh, if, if they have this color, they, don't, they, they do this or they do that. Or they're against this or against that. And we're missing, as I say again, the real enemy, the real problem, sin, not skin. But I recognize those who are in work in the government, those who uh, maybe work in large companies or in the, uh, work in the school system, are those who are students, Christian students in the public schools or in the colleges, and those who who minister to the colleges, they're against an environment that trains in the critical race theory. There is pressure on you to acknowledge your white privilege. Elizabeth received a letter from her coach. You know that... um, She plays collegiate sports. She received a letter from her coach. And in that letter, he was sent to all the athletes announcing that he hadn't understood until now his white privilege. And there were going to be changes. And it affected him. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be hearing how it's affecting them. They're trained in the critical race theory. There is pressure to acknowledge your white privilege. And unless, and unless you acknowledge that you have oppressed, uh, the oppressed in the, in the critical race theory or intersectionality is, is, would be women and minorities and transgenders and homosexuals. Unless you acknowledge that you've oppressed them, you don't have the right to speak. And those who are oppressed, the minorities, women, LGBTQ, they don't want, they don't want to listen to you if you're white and conservative and straight and Christian. And so it's going to be a challenge. It's, it's certainly going to be a challenge for our RUF pastor here. So it's a challenge. And you've got to put on the armor of God. And the only, only God in the gospel and prayer can fight and win.
and cause you to stand. You have to take up God's armor. You have to take up his weaponry. You have to attack the nature of man. You have to attack, not, not the skin surface color, not the so-called racial separation, but their separation from God is what has to be attacked. Well, black lives as a color, as a people are made in the image of God. And yes, they matter. But watch out for Black Lives Matter as an organization. Watch out for Black Lives Matter as an organization. Number two, if you want an outline here. When you hear Black Lives Matter, that is an organization. It's Black Lives Matters Inc. What we've seen in riots and looting and violence, that's an organization. That has, that has overtaken the issue. And you say, well, that's, that's a response to social injustice. These are protesters. I say very little, very little. And what was or started as a protestament and sometimes, protest and sometimes a legitimate protest and incidents of injustice were co-opted for political purposes and agenda. You must distinguish, what I'm saying, you must distinguish between Black Lives Matter as a people and the organization Black Lives Matter. The organization, the movement. And the sad reality is the organization and what's behind it is using blacks and they're using race relations. Let me put it this way. They don't care about black lives. They don't except to use them for political power and political gain and to push Marxism, socialism, and communism, that anti-God agenda. BLM, as an organization, Black Lives Matter as an organization, is, is not the only danger. I admit that. But it is, a, it is prominent right now, and it's, it's just one form, one expression of the same old lie, we have to call it the Marxist ideology, socialism, communism, but it's anti-God. It's secular, satanic ideology. And Black Lives Matters is its recent expression. And it's clever in that way. It's clever because if you say, I'm against Black Lives Matters, you're automatically racist, right? You are automatically racist, and so what you should say is I'm against a Marxist organization, something like that. I think you can say immediately, I don't believe in race. I don't believe in race. We're all made from one man, Adam, right? It's the truth. We're all made by God. We're using the word of God. Black lives matter because every black life is created in the image of God. You're going to say that. We're all one race from Adam, created by God. And then second, you can say, you, you can emphasize that you are opposed to the organization. You can say they're using race. They're using black lives. But you've got to distinguish between Black Lives Matter from Black Lives Matter as the movement. In which, in which I think some people have been swept into the current of that movement. They don't, they don't like to see injustice. And neither do you, do you. 
And there are incidents of injustice. They don't like to see racism. In reality, racism is is hate, right? Hate, yes, and hate based on skin color in some cases because you're different. And what, and what that skin color, it's hate based on what that skin color is made to represent. James 4 tells us what it is, though, doesn't it? Doesn't he? James 4 says, where do the wars and fights come from among you? Now, he's talking about Christians, but this, has a, this can be broadly applied to the world. Where do fights and wars come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war in your members you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war. You, you, you do this to spend it on your pleasures. But we, we understand people, and, and I would say black and white people, they do see injustice. And the media, of course, sort of emphasizes those incidents, don't they? But they're there. They are there. And it was not just or humane or dignified when a knee was on the throat of George Floyd. That was horrible, and it was cruel, and it was unjust. And we can acknowledge injustice, incidents of injustice. And we need, and I say this, We need the justice system to move swiftly and correctly against anyone who breaks the law, if they have broken the law, including the police. It's why we need laws and why no one in our system, no one in our system is really above the law, is to be above law. But you have to understand that this movement is not really about black lives. This is an anti-God system. It's not really a black, about all black lives mattering. If, if, if they were really for all black lives mattering, wouldn't they care about all black aborted babies' lives? Planned Parenthood originated. You know that it originated to kill black babies? And now abortion is the number one killer of black lives. Number one. More than 19 million black babies have been killed since Roe versus Wade in 1973. Um, I heard a statistic, sounded high but it said that about 900 black babies are aborted every day. Another statistic was 600 in about 50. Still outrageous, right? And that's four times white babies. All are tragic. Do all black lives really matter? We allow for black aborted babies. 
if they if these organization black lives matters were really for all black lives wouldn't they care about the lives of black police officers david dorn retired police captain gunned down in st louis st louis riot when he tried to protect someone's business he was black looters shot him and as he was dying, they videoed and live-streamed his death. David's grandson saw the video in real time. He didn't realize it was his grandpa. Do all Black Lives Matter to the organization? Black Lives Matters Inc., this is an attempt to bring down the whole American system. You must understand that and the system of law and order. This organization wants to do away with law. It wants to do away with the police. It is encouraging on its website defunding of the police. You know that. It is encouraging police violence. It is attacking authorities. And you saw just in the news the horrific video of a man who walked up to a, to a police car and shot several times to these young deputies or fighting for their lives, shot in the head, understanding. God, I remind you, has given the authorities for the good of mankind. Romans 13, right? They're his ministers for good. To fight against authority, the authority of the police is to fight against God. And we are called to submit. And we are in, uh, in 1 Timothy 2. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2, we are called to pray for them. To support, what I'm saying here is, to any way to support Black Lives Matters, the organization, is to support the attack on police, and therefore an attack on God, who gives them to us. It's to reject His authority. The organization Black Lives Matters Inc. believe that America is systemically racist. And that means that at its very core and its very foundation and every part of it is racist. And what needs to happen, therefore, is a complete and absolute overhaul of the American system, laws, and authorities. And that's what you're seeing. It is a Marxist, socialist, communist organization. And it would rip up our Constitution if it could, and it's trying to. It would replace the American police, who are themselves under the law, with oppressive, brutal, kind of KGB, German Gestapo, and a terrifying standing Red Army. Make no mistake. They mean to overthrow the American system. It states several times on their website that they believe racism and violence against blacks is by the state. State sanctioned. That's what they're saying is it's systemic of the American way of life. Quote on their website, we are working for a world where black lives are no longer 
systematically targeted for design, demise. America is systematically targeting blacks for demise. It is because of America that blacks, quote, face a deadly oppression. Quote, rampant and deliberate violence inflicted on us by the state. Quote, we're torn apart by state-sanctioned violence and anti-black racism. Over and over and over again, America is inherently racist, black-hating, dangerous, and violence and violent and targeting blacks. The organization wants to end America. Its laws and order and culture, they boast. They boast that they have already, quote, shifted culture. Indeed, I think they have. They are anti-American in all their ways. That is the organization. When they say police are systemically racist, they mean pretty much all. All. You understand? All police are racist. The, 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 see, the police are just part of the American corrupt, black-hating system. And so our police need to go, our laws need to go, our constitution needs to go. You understand? That's what's happening. This is a Marxist organization. I'm going to talk to you about that just a, a little bit here. A Marxist organization, or at least those behind it and funding it, are Marxist in their ideologies. They're, and they're, what that means is they're anti-God at their very core. They're anti-religion, they're anti-Christ and anti-Christian. You just look at their website, and all that they stand for is anti-God and anti-Christian and, and anti-Scripture. Very prominent on their website is, is the homosexual and transgender agenda. Quote, we affirm the lives of black, queer, and trans folks. End quote. Repeatedly, repeatedly. I counted 12 mentions of this uh, trans or gender in, in their brief belief page, in their brief page about us. Quote, we do the work, listen, we do the work required to dismantle cisgender. Cisgender, uh, that's... That's a renaming of male and female. That's a renaming of biological, your biological birth, and I, then identifying as that. Um, that is cisgender. You identify, they identify, cisgenders identify as their sex or gender born that they're assigned with at birth. So you're born a boy. Uh, they assign you a boy, and you, can, you consider yourself a man or a male. You're born as a girl, and you consider yourself a female. This is cisgender. They call cisgender. This is a change of language. It's an attempt to break with the biblical language of the male and the female, an attempt to break with God. It's gender, after all, gender, in their view, is social construct of white supremacy, not God, 
Gender is not from God. It's not from creation. It's not by design. We do the work, and yet look what they say. We do the work to dismantle cisgender. They want to dismantle. They won't even call it male and female, but they want to dis, uh, dismantle it. They want it gone. They will fight against the Bible and Genesis and biblical manhood and womanhood. And, that ex and, and then, of course, they're fighting against the exclusive relationship of marriage between a man and a woman. Blacklivesmatters.org, they are against the nuclear family. They are opposed to men and fathers of the nuclear family. They're opposed to patriarchalism. And whenever you read that, well, and they say, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. That's what they say. We dismantle the patriarchal practice. Whenever you hear that, that's a common slam against men as the head of the home, the biblical family. Quote, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages. Whew. I didn't want to hear that again from a certain administration long ago. It takes a village. Like that's what that is. This has been around. That collectively, villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. They want to destroy the nuclear family. Would that be good? I don't think all black lives matter. I don't think all blacks believe that. This is what Black Lives Matters Inc. says, quote, we foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. You're getting the idea here, what they're really about. And, and it's no wonder one of their founders in, and I'm not even, you know, it gets confusing when you're talking transgender, it does. One of, the, one of the founders in his bio, which they would not approve of those pronouns probably, is a transnational feminist, Opal Tometi. And another founder, Alicia Garza, both she is a queer black woman. She says in part of her um, bio, in order to truly understand how devastating and widespread this type of violence is in black America, we must view this epidemic through a lens of race, gender, sexual orientation, and gender identity, end quote. Oh, I'm so thankful that I find my identity in Christ. So thankful. I'm so sorry that these people are so confused. God made them male and female, thus says the Lord. 
Jesus Christ said, what God has put together, let no man separate. Romans 1.26 and following clearly reveals that homosexuality, transgenderism included, is unbiblical. It's against God, it's against nature, and it's against self for those who practice it. It's self-destructive. It's from a sinful heart and a depraved mind. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites will inherit the kingdom of God. This is the reality. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible. They're anti-family. We can't condone this in any measure. We can't support this. This is not good for black lives or anyone. This is certainly not the way of salvation. God condemns this. And so we have to bring the sword of the word against it. We have to call it sin. We have to say this is a violation of, of God's word and God's ways. But also we, we get to bring the gospel to bear. There is forgiveness with God. And he says right after that, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.11, right after he says, and such were some of you. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. God saves sinners. He saved us. Such were some of us. We're all sinners in need of Jesus Christ, need to be washed of our sins, need to be forgiven and justified. This, this you know. This you know is how we make peace. Verse 15 of Ephesians, if you go back there, chapter 6 says, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's how we make peace. Peace with God and peace with man. This organization is not bringing peace, is it? It's bringing division and unrest, violent protests, riots, and it fosters, it fosters an us-them mentality. Don't, don't fall into it. That's the goal, to divide. Chaos is the goal of Marxism. Uh, it's, it, it wants to divide white and blacks. It wants to tear down the whole American system. And, not, and, and, and I'm talking about the good in it, of course. It, it, it wants to push socialism. It wants to push communism. It wants to break down all the structures and authorities and societies to do it, and especially religion, especially religion. Marxism was founded on atheistic, ungodly principles. Religion was the number one enemy. Religion is the opium of the people, Marx said, and Lenin repeated it. Mark said, the first requisite for the happiness of the people is the abolition of religion, end quote. His friend and fellow atheist Engels said, 
We want to sweep away everything that claims to be supernatural and superhuman. We have once for all declared war on religion and religious ideas and care little whether we are called atheists or anything else. These are satanic ideologies. That's what's behind this. Whether you call them Marxism or whatever. Lenin. Lenin followed suit. And what oppression it brought. I'll never forget. Watson uh, and I had the chance to be in Russia before, just before the coup. Remember that? A month. A month before the fall. And everywhere, statues and images of Lenin that were torn down after. Lenin said, every religious idea, every idea of God, even flirting with the, the idea of God, is utterly vileness. Vileness of the most dangerous kind. Contagion of the most abominable kind. Millions of sins, filthy contagions, are far less dangerous than the subtle spiritual idea of a God decked out in the smartest ideological costumes. Every defense or justification of the idea of God, even the most refined, the best intentioned, is a justification for reaction. He's talking about revolution. He's talking about what is happening in our culture. These are the ideologies behind it. These are the satanic views behind it. Make no mistake, my, my beloved flock and my dear friends, this is a battle for the truth. This is a war for the word of God. This is an attack on our faith, and we need to stand. We need to resist. We need to fight. We need the armor of God to do it. It's not against black men or women or black lives. It's, against, it's not against white men. It's against godless Satanic ideologies. And you need the shield of faith to hold up to the error that will be shot at you. You need the helmet of salvation to be sure of what you believe, to be sure of your salvation. You need the sword of the word to go into battle and to deliver it precisely. You need to go and confess your faith and confess the gospel before men, which is the only way of peace. The world's means of peace will not work, will they? Only the gospel brings peace. First with God. First with God and then with men. We tell them the real human dilemma is the loss of peace with God. And that's because of sin. That's because we are all brothers in sin. We're all sons of Adam in sin. We all inherited a sinful nature. We all rebelled and rebelled against God. We are enslaved to sin, all of us. And God in his mercy and his grace sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. And all who believe in the son will have life and peace with God. He'll restore you to a relationship with him. Peace. 
peace with God, and then you can have peace with man. Well, there's so much I wanted to say. But you see that, you see what a weapon and what armor you need and what weapons you need, what a weapon you have in the gospel to change things. God has given you the treasure of the gospel. You, you have to take it. And you have to, to go to them. You have to, you have to put your, your, he's looking at the Roman soldier. When he says this, you have to put your, your boots on and go. And, and of course, I know they're sandals, right? But listen, the Roman sandals were strapped, and strapped, and strapped. So they stood on for the, the journey. They stood on for the battle, for the fight. But you've got to go to them with the gospel. Because it's God who changes things. It's Christ who changes them. It's the gospel of Christ that changes and saves. And prayer, all prayer, the weapon in, in Ephesians 6.18 reminds us, never forget, it's only God. It's only God and his power that can do it. It's not, and it's not just for Christian protection. He says it's for Christian protection there. But it's, it's for the gospel to go forth in power because he says in verse 19, and for me, that is pray for me also that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So pray for the success of the gospel. Pray for the ministers of the gospel. Pray that, that we'll evangelize and confess our faith. Only God opens the hearts and the minds and the ears. Only God grants salvation. Let's pray. Oh, Father, so much I wanted to say and have said and Oh, oh, equip your people. Cause them to 